Amen. You guys can be seated. Hey, welcome to our uh, outdoor service. All jokes aside, thank you for, if you normally come to 845, come into this service. If you normally come to 1115, come in a few minutes early. If you come to 10 o'clock, come in an hour late. Um, thank you for making some changes for us. Um, our goal was to have as few services as possible just so we could be together. We can't fit in one room anymore by God's grace and his blessing. So we do this twice in here um, today. So we had hoped to be outside, but about five o'clock this morning, the Lord just let us know it definitely wasn't going to happen. Um, and uh, so we're just glad to be in here um, together this morning. Uh, how many of you in the room this is not so that we can gauge the medical condition of people in this room, okay? How many people in this room have ever had an MRI? Anybody raise your hand? Wow, we are some unhealthy folks. All right, I think it's like 25% of us have had an MRI. If you haven't had an MRI and you're claustrophobic, I would highly recommend one for you. Um, uh, because what happens is the doctor discovers something's going on inside of you. They can't quite figure it out. And so they need to see inside your body. And so they put you inside this, this tube, all right, uh, in, this, in this MRI, and they, they put you in this tube, and they slide you in there, and this thing starts to make all these noises. Now, you can't move, you can't talk, you can't whisper, you can't breathe. Uh, you just lay there for 15, 20 minutes while all these noises take place, and at the end, they have a scan. And the advantage is because the doctors can take that scan, all these forms of pictures that are magnetically taken of your body, they can give those to the doctor. The doctor can then say, okay, this has been bothering you on the outside or a symptom of, but now we know what's taking place on the inside. We, we know what's ailing you. We know what you're struggling with. I have a, I've had a couple of them in my life, a couple for migraines and one for an ACL tear. And so I, I understand the claustrophobic moment of going in there. But when you come out, they look and they say, yeah, this is what we need to do. This is what's taking place in your body. Uh, if you're a guest with us, for 12 weeks this summer, Jesus has been putting us through an MRI here as a church. And he's been doing that through the words of Jesus, Matthew 5 through chapter 7. He has been examining every attribute, every action, every intention that we could imagine, all in so far less than two and a half chapters. Jesus has just unleashed, and he just said, hey, I'm going to examine every part of you. And what he was doing for the early disciples, his first followers, he had called them to the mountainside, and he said, listen, I, I want to impart in you... Some fra a framework for you to live by, for you to impact this world. He didn't say this then, but once he was going to be gone. He was going to live, he was going to die, he was going to be raised from the dead, he was going to ascend into heaven, and he was going to leave his disciples, impart the Holy Spirit on them. But he said, listen, when I leave, you're going to need to know these things if you want to impact the world. If you want to keep taking this message forward, here's the framework. So I just want to walk you through, whether you're a guest or whether you're usually here, you've probably missed one of the weeks during the summer. We're not going to finish today, all right? We're still got maybe one, maybe two more weeks to, to finish up um, this series as we've been walking through. But listen to all that Jesus has walked us through in one sermon on the mount. He's examined our care for others. Blessed are we when we care. Blessed for those who mourn. We've, he's examined our boldness. Are we salt? Are we light? He's examined our anger. 
if that wasn't personal enough, right? He got anger. Then he looked at lust and temptation in our relationships and saying, if our yes is a yes, whether our no is a no, our speech, our oaths, how we make decisions to other people, loving our enemies, caring for those in need, our intentions and our attitudes and prayer. He examined, don't pray like this, do pray like this. Don't fast like this, do fast like this. Don't give like this, do give like this. He's examined so many things. He's examined whether or not we have two masters. We have one master. And if that wasn't enough, I don't know about you, but the past four weeks, Jesus has examined, and we've walked through investigating anxiety, judging others, encouraging others, our prayers, ask, seek, and knock. I was in a local uh, drugstore a couple days ago, and uh, about a week ago, and I, I met a gentleman, and he might be in this service, and he walked up to me, we started talking, and he said, uh, man, pastor, I cannot wait till this series is over. I was like, well, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. He goes, because I can't wait for Jesus to get off my back. <laughs> and if you've walked through this, you know that's a true statement, because Jesus has taken over and said, let me do an MRI. I don't want to just examine the symptoms on the outside of your body spiritually. I want to examine why you're doing what you're doing. What's driving you? What's your intentions? What are your actions? What are your attitudes? And then, and then in the middle of all these attitudes, all the actions, all the intentions, Jesus makes this statement where we're going to be today, chapter 7, verse 12 through 14. Verse 12, Jesus says this. So, so, therefore, because of what I've taught you already, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. What do we call that? Anybody? What do we call this, this Bible verse? The golden rule. Even people who don't go to church quote this and misquote this and really misquote this. Because here's what's happened over the years. We've taken this statement from Jesus and we have slowly allowed it to merge into some statements by other philosophers and other folks over history. But please know this. What Jesus says, he said, so whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now that last statement there takes this message and this verse, and it elevates it. Not above the rest of the teaching, but it solidifies the rest of the teaching to say, let me let you know why this is so important. Every scripture, every word from the mouth of the prophets, this is the law of the law and the prophets. This is that important. This is up there with great commission, great commandment, how we live our lives. He's raising this. This phrase could have been at the beginning of Matthew 5 and just addressed everything in one verse, couldn't it? So whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Jesus is making sure his disciples who are sitting there listening, some of them with Jewish background, would have heard him say that and say, whoa, I've been listening, but that last sentence, that last statement, Jesus just elevated the message. He took Matthew 5, 7 through 12, and just took it and put it on another rung of the ladder of importance so that we could live by, so that we could act by, so that we could think by. And why is it so important? This is the law and the prophets. Whatever you wish, others would do to you. Do also to them. 
ancient Greece, before Jesus' time. Listen to a couple of these statements that people made. They're going to sound familiar, but there's a difference. Avoid doing what you would blame others for doing. What you do not want to happen to you, do not do it yourself. Do not do to others that which angers you when they do it to you. Now, those are pretty close. They're, they're, they've got some elements to it that you go, okay, it's got the back and the forth. And, the, you know, if, if I'm angry, don't do this. If I'm bitter, don't do this. And I don't want to blame them, don't do this. But here's the drastic difference. Jesus says, whatever you wish they would do to you. Whatever you wish they would do to you. Say, say that with me. Whatever you wish. Let's just, let's just narrow it down to one word, all right? Wish. Ready? One, two, three. Wish. See, all the other philosophers and many other religions in the world, since then and before then, this statement, their version of the golden rule, is built out of retaliation and vengeance. Don't retaliate. Don't be vengeant. Don't exercise vengeance towards someone else. Don't get back at them. That's here, isn't it? Don't get even. Jesus, no, we're not talking about getting even. We're talking about treating others the way you wish you would be treated. He's letting the disciples know early. You're going to be a part of a movement. You're going to be a part of impacting the lives of others. You're going to be taking a message, and you're going to need to treat people the way that you wish. You're going to need to walk into some very difficult moments in your history and in your journeys around the world, disciples, and you're going to need to treat them the way that you wish that they would treat you, not the way they're going to treat you because they're going to treat you harsh. If you follow these other philosophers, you can say, well, yeah, don't be angry because they're be angry. Just don't be angry. No, Jesus, let's elevate this. So let, let's, let's walk through, let's, let's play this out just for a minute. Treating other people the way that you wish they would treat you. Your child is on a ball team. Your coach, you do not like. I'm not picking any coach. I'm not picking on any team. Everybody got super awkwardly quiet in the first service during this illustration. It's okay to laugh as if it's not you, okay? You don't like the way the coach coaches. You don't like the way he talks to your kid. You don't like the way the playing time that he's getting. And so you've got it in your mind that you are going to corner that coach and you are going to let them have it. You're going to tell them everything they've already heard a million times before. You're going to say it. Now, you're, you're, you're righteous anger, right? You're going to quote some Bible verses there. You're going to, well, I'm just going to let him have it. How about you respond to the coach the way you wish he would treat your son or daughter? Well, that's no fun. I can't yell at him. I can't scream at him. I can't just let him have I can't get even. I can't settle the score. Jesus says, this isn't about settling the score. Because could it be that your child's coach doesn't have a clue who Jesus Christ is? Could it be that your coach, your teacher, your ex, your struggling family, your coworker, could it be that they have no earthly idea 
that Jesus lived, died, and was raised again and offered life. You see, there's much more weighing in the balance of Matthew 5, 7 through 7, 12. Please don't walk out of this series at the end of the summer, whenever the summer ends for us, when we finish the series, all right? Don't walk out of this series and go, man, I'm going to be a more moral person. I'm not going to get as angry. I'm going to be more patient. That's my goal in life. No. Your goal is to fall more in love with Jesus. And as we fall more in love with Jesus, we then are enabled and are equipped to begin to do to others what we wish they would do to us. But it's not natural. Maybe there's somebody that's truly given you reason for brokenness. They've hurt you. They've caused pain to your family. And you finally see them coming. You haven't seen them in years. You're walking across the parking lot at some store in Davidson County, and you see them, and you think, man, I haven't seen them in years. I'll tell you what, I'm going to let them have it. And you've been storing it up. I've been thinking about this conversation for 10 years, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to unleash on them. Maybe I'm the only one who's thought that. Maybe not. But what if you look at that person? What if you think of that person? And you say, you know what? I'm not going to give them what I want to give them, what I think they deserve. I'm going to give them what I wish they would have given to me. What they do not deserve. What they haven't earned. I'm, I'm going to figure out a way to speak with kindness. I'm going to sp- figure out a way to treat them, to address them. Why? Because Jesus says, whatever you wish others would do to you, do to them. This isn't about vengeance. This isn't about getting even. This isn't about settling the score. There's actually a more important why to this story. I want us to see that in just a moment. But, but as we see that, I want us to think about these relationships. I, I read this. This is a quote from 1973 New Year's Day Reader's Digest. It says this, Resolve to be tender with the young, compassionate with the aged, sympathetic with the striving, and tolerant of the weak and the wrong, because sometime in life you will have been all these yourself. Sometime in life, all those moments, all those people, all those adversaries, we are going to be at some point, we're going to be slower, we're going to be aging, we're not going to move as fast, we're going to, we're going to be that person. We're called to be I wish people. I want you to think about it for, for a minute. You're called to be an I wish people. I wish others would treat me, therefore I will do this. What if we started looking and thinking about the stories and the relationship that God has given us and we started thinking, if I treat them with an I wish in this moment, what could change in the story? What could change if I wish that this coach or this teacher would treat my child with respect and honor? And what if I treat them with respect and honor? Maybe the story changes. Maybe it's not just about a sideline conversation in a football game or a basketball or a score on a test. Maybe it's about their salvation. 
And maybe how you step into that moment with an I wish idea that it begins. That a door gets cracked open. And for once, a parent, a grandparent has spoken to them with kindness. They've shared their heart. They've shared their struggles, but they've done it in a respectful way. Maybe it cracks the door open for them to begin to hear the gospel of Jesus. You see, I wish, I, I wish several things. Here, here's how I, I wish to be treated. I, I wish to be treated with kindness. Anybody else want to be treated with kindness? Anybody? Anybody want to be treated hatefully? Okay. Um, I can send you some places and make sure that takes place, all right? Uh, I wish to be told the truth in love. Who doesn't want to be told the truth? In love. I wish to be given honest advice, not judgmental criticism. I wish to be respected. I wish to be encouraged. No, pastor, I'd rather live my life and everybody put me down the rest of my life. I'd rather if you just would say some things really sarcastically to me and just move on your merry way and pretend I didn't exist. No, that's not you. That's not me. I wish to be encouraged. I wish to be uplifted. I wish to be loved. I wish, maybe you wish this too. I, I wish to be the, pro, the subject of someone's prayers, not someone's gossip. See, nobody in the room goes, yeah, I'd, boy, I'd really like somebody to make up some good rumors about me and spread them. No, you'd rather to be a part of somebody's prayers. I wish to be the recipient of grace instead of vengeance. I wish to grow spiritually, and I need guidance along the way. I wish. I don't know how you wish to be treated. I, I would imagine in this room, we collectively would say, yeah, I like that list. I, I like where you're going with that. I like the thoughts. I like the movement of that. I wish those things. Do unto others what I wish they would do to me. I wish relationships open the door for more important conversations. I want you to see that this summer. I wish relationships, all this talk about anger and lust and resentment and your yes being yes and your no's being no and giving to the needy and being generous, all these things are a part of a bigger conversation. And Jesus is going to show us that. Because now he's laid the groundwork for us in 5 through 7, 12. And now... He's given us the what and the how and the where. And now he's going to give you the why. Why is this important? Why does it matter, pastor, that my actions and my attitudes and my intentions go under a spiritual MRI? Why does it matter to anybody but me? Because what Jesus says next. He says, verse 13, enter by the narrow gate. Whoa. We were just talking about people and relationships. Some even say that Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, I, I can't buy this, some people say that the Sermon on the Mount ended in verse 12 and Jesus started another sermon in verse 13. I'm going to go with the way that it's recorded for us for 2,000 years and say that it's all a part of one sermon. And I would argue that these are back-to-back -back with significant reasons foremost enter by the narrow gate jesus is going now to teach that there is one way to heaven through jesus christ we'll see that in a minute that he is the way the truth and the life jesus is going to teach that to them right now 
And they are going to be responsible for that message when Jesus leaves the earth. So how they live their life, how we live our lives, according to Matthew 5 through 7, 12, I believe is directly interwoven with enter by the narrow gate. There's more at stake in our conversations. There's more at stake in our stories than what we can see. There's more taking place in the lives of people. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. For those who enter it, enter by it, are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. If the teaching isn't hard enough yet, if the honest summary and instruction from Jesus is not in your face enough yet, it is now. Enter by the narrow gate. There's a broad gate, a wide gate. The gate's wide. There's a lot of people traveling the path. Let's talk about the broad gate, the broad path. The broad path, literally this word broad means easy to come on or off. Imagine uh, uh, your road. Imagine an interstate without any rails, without any curbs, without anything going on in it. Sometimes if you're driving around Davidson County, you may flirt off the side of the road a little bit, right? There's gravel, there's dirt. Hopefully there's not a, an embankment, right? You, you, you go off just a little bit and you're, you're reminded real quick or on the interstate, there's those great rumble strips, right? That I love to hit when my kids are asleep. It's just a great way to just make them mesmerized to sleep. No. And, and, and so you have these things on there, but imagine you're driving around, you've got certain things that keep you in line, but the broad path has nothing. But also the broad path says, hey, you know what? There's, there's, there's no reason, there's no, there's no code for coming on or off this path. Essentially, you do what you want to do. You follow the path, you come on a spiritual path, you go off a spiritual path. You follow Jesus, you don't follow Jesus. You make this decision in your life, you don't make this decision in your life. You follow the teaching of your parents, you don't follow the teaching. That's the broad path. And he says it leads to destruction. And listen, we as a culture, we want our faith to be customizable. We want it broad. We don't like this narrow teaching of Jesus. We want it broad. We want it customizable. We want to be able to pick the pieces of Scripture. We want to pick the kind of church. We want to make all these analyzations. We want to customize it because our world is all about preference, right? Whatever you prefer, however you want to follow your heart. If we had to put a sign over the broad path, maybe we could just put a sign that says, follow your heart. And then underneath, we could quote the prophet Jeremiah that says, uh, above all things, the heart is deceitful. Because you know it. You've followed your heart sometimes. And it's led you to a path, to a decision that's brought destruction, that's brought difficulty, that's brought shame, that's brought guilt. Jesus the path of Jesus is not customizable. It's not optional. He, he gives us the narrative. He gives us the guardrails. We like everything to be personal. We like our preferences. Now, years ago, I was uh, good friends. I still am good friends with a guy here in our church. I'm just going to call him out. Um, I'm not sure if he was in this service at the first, but uh, Chris Thompson, he's a friend of mine, been a friend of mine for a long time. And um, we, for some reason, at one point in his life, he created, instead of the word brother or homie, he created the word bromie. 
I don't know where it came up, what it came from, and uh, there were four or five of us that he would, he would call us by this name. I don't know where half of what comes in his brain comes in, but this one was a good one. All right? This is a fun moment. And so he decided to make us our own action figures. I brought mine. <laughs> this is me in student ministry, all right? There's a close-up of it. I mean, look at that handsome fellow, right? All right, now let me explain a couple things going on in this customizable Michael, all right? Uh, it's an action figure. It says fill number one because a long time ago on a mission trip, we went into a thrift shop and there were a pack of t-shirts and it was fill one, fill two, fill three, four, four, fill five. I took fill one. The rest of the teenagers had fill two, three, four, and five. We have no idea what they meant. I still have mine in my dresser, okay? Um, and so this is student ministry days. But if you look at this, I've got a cherry limeade in one hand, all right, which is uh, I used to really like to drink cherry limeades. Not much anymore. I have got my laptop down here. It broke. Um, it's, it's down here. And then it's got a description of me on the back. It's got some references to Galaga, which are a must when you're referring to me. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's crazy, right? And I love this thing. You can get your own on Amazon for $99.99. No, I'm just kidding. I, he doesn't make him anymore. I'm one of a select group, all right? But I love this. You know why? Because it's me. Because he made it to look like me. It's funny. It's humorous. I keep it in my office. We joke about it. You're jealous that you don't have one of your own, not of me. That, that would be weird. That would be very, very weird. It's like a bobblehead, right? But there's days that we'd like Jesus and his teachings to be this way. Hey, I, if you could just keep the anger part and not, not address that. I, I'm good with a lot of other stuff, but if, if I could customize the teaching of Jesus and keep the anger part out, because I'm just a bitter person, I'm a patient person, or if you can say, you know what, I, all, all this teaching that Jesus has given us, Matthew 5 through 7, 12, it's been fantastic, but that section on, section on lust, whoo, too close to home, customize it, take it out. The Sermon on the Mount, the word from the law and the prophets are not customizable. They are given as an authority. They are given to say, listen, there is a broad, there is a, don't try to take this. I'm putting it down, all right? There's a broad. There's a broad path. It's a wide path. And it leads to destruction. Destruction here in the Old Testament, the word for destruction is Sheol, which we equivalent, equivalent of that New Testament is hell. That's not the distinct word that Jesus has used here. It's not parallel with that. But later on, Jesus teaches distinctly that there is a place for those who do not trust in him that will spend eternity. And it's a place of destruction. And you may have a hard time contemplating what is destruction. Think of it this way. There is a pet place at the end of the broad path. The broad path that, that fought, promises freedom and enjoyment and pleasure there is a path and it leads to a gate and that gate opens up and at the end of that gate is destruction and in that destruction know this there is no love there is no beauty there is no truth there is no joy there is no peace there is no hope at the end of that path some of you are on that path this morning some of you know it you're making decisions and you know it. 
You know where those broad path decisions are leading you. Some of you have been on that road and you're on the narrow road and you look back and say, man, I'm glad I'm not on that road, but some of you are on it. Can I just ask you this morning to listen to this teaching of Jesus? That Jesus Christ taught, he said, listen to this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father but by me. That's not confusing. That's not evasive. That's clearly spoken from the authority of God on earth. There's one way. It's not the broad path. It's the narrow. Jesus then speaks about this narrow path. He says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard. It leads to life. And those who find it are few. I don't believe that means there's only going to be a couple people in heaven. I don't believe that means there's only going to be 144,000 in heaven. I believe it means that this is hard teaching and the masses are not going to get it. There are times in Jesus' teaching, in the Gospels we have, where Jesus is teaching and he introduces a harder teaching and he says, hey, this is a hard teaching and the crowd dissipates. They take the broad path back home. Because Jesus is saying, hey, you want to keep following me? Stay on the narrow path. Now, I want you to know something about this narrow path. This narrow path is a beautiful path. The narrow path does not shackle me with pain. The narrow path has guardrails on it. And it says, hey, pastor, Michael, dad, father, here, here's the way to lead to life. Here's how to handle this decision. Here's how to address anger. Here's how to address temptations. Here's how to walk through struggles with a neighbor. Here's how to handle this with this person. Here's how to guide spiritually. Here's how to grow in your faith. The guardrails are up. There's warning signs. Let me know, hey, you don't want to go down that path. I want to keep you on this path. It is narrow. It is hard. But listen to where it leads. It leads to where? Anybody want to throw it out there? It leads to life. And I don't know anybody in the room that would go, death, life, life. Shackled, freedom, freedom. Shame, rejoicing. This is what Jesus is laying out for us. Jesus said in John 10, he said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. The shepherd's going to allow you to go in and out into his care, provide for you, nourish you. Jesus has outlined the foundations of relationships, of how we handle ourselves. And I want you to see all this coming together. We're not finished yet. I want you to see all this coming together. I, I put this together for my brain. Maybe it'll help you in your brain. My attitudes, my actions, and my intentions, the intentions of my heart can lead people toward or away from the life of hope of Jesus Christ. That's what's on the line, church. There might be 400 people in this room this morning. There was uh, four or 500 in the first service. That's incredible. There's 45,000 people in Davidson County. My guess is right now, the vast majority of them are not in church, and the vast majority of them who are not in church, and maybe some who are in church, are not walking the narrow path, have not submitted their lives to Jesus. So we still have work to do. You still have relationships. 
Right now, in your brain, in your mind, you can think of somebody you work with. You can think of someone that's a friend of yours. You can think of someone that you've interacted with that you don't even know. It could be a clerk at a counter. It could be somebody at the bank. It could be somebody where you pump gas. Whatever it is, you, are, you know there's somebody in your life that you're unsure which path that they're on. And so your attitude, your actions, and your intentions are extremely important, aren't they? How you treat the person that is probably treated harsh. How you communicate to your server. How you speak to the person drawing your blood when you're at the doctor. How you handle yourself when you go to the DMV. Well, now it's getting real. Your attitudes, your actions, your intentions could open the door for a conversation, for even a glimpse of them seeing Jesus. Every single one of us. That's what's going on in the words from the hill. This really is not about moralistic teaching to make the disciples better people in this century. That's not what this is about. It's not for them to just become nicer people or not less angry people or better people. No, it is for them to lead people to the narrow gate. This is our calling. This is the given path that God has placed us on. The narrow path, we must be sure that we realize this. It's not about rules. It's not about morals. It is about pursuing Jesus more and more. This narrow path. Stay on it. It's hard, but it leads to life. Life everlasting? But you know what? It also leads to a different life here, does it not? You may say, well, how's that work? Well, I'll tell you how it works. On a, on a Friday night, I, I go to bed. I, I you know, kiss my wife goodnight, and my, two of my kids are here, two are at college, and, and you know, at the end of the night, we, we go to bed, and, and, and if there's something in my mind that I need to ask forgiveness of, I ask forgiveness, and a God in heaven forgives me, and I put my head on the pillow, and I go to sleep, and I wake up the next morning knowing that hopefully, prayerfully, decisions I made the day before don't fill me with guilt and shame. No, I wasn't out partying on a Friday night. I wouldn't even know what that looks like, right? But I know that where I was on a Friday night did not shackle me, it freed me. And this is the calling of Matthew 5 through chapter 7, verse 12. There is great importance in our life and our attitudes, and our actions, and our intentions. Why? Because it helps us put people and begin to lead people down a path. So this is where it hits the road. Which path is your life leading other people toward? Not my path. Not my life. I mean, you can come judge me if you want to. That's fine. But what path is your life leading other people toward? If you examine Matthew 5 through chapter 7, verse 12, the I wish, I wish others would do unto me as I would want them to do unto me, do, do, do unto others they would do unto me. I wish that would take place. If those relationships are examined, which path am I leading people? The narrow that leads to life or the broad that leads to destruction? Do you realize you and I have been commissioned by a holy God to do this? 
this is your gift. This is your calling. This is what Jesus has placed and given you authority, given you power through the Holy Spirit to be these type of people to communicate. There's a narrow gate. There's a broad one. Do what you want to do, how you want to do it, where you want to do it, when you want to do it, however you like to. But just know this. It's got pain at the end. It's got destruction. But there is hope. There is life. There's a narrow path. Jesus is teaching life-changing, eternity-changing. If you want to study how to share Jesus, study Matthew 5-7. through It's evangelism 101, 102, 103, 104, all the way up. Because the sad reality is some of us, by the time we get the courage to speak the gospel to someone, we've already refuted the gospel with our lives. And they don't want someone who just sat at their desk and say, hey, you know, we just gossiped together. Let me tell you about Jesus. Hey, you just heard me on a tyrant about the coworker. Let me tell you about the love of Christ. You heard me bash that person in politics that I don't like, and man, I was fired up. But let me tell you about peace that passes all understanding. Our attitudes, our actions, our intentions open the door for larger conversations. Which path are you on, broad or narrow? Which path is your life leading other people toward? Let's pray.